Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live the Stage Life podcast with your host, me, Lisa Van Hera. And today I welcome on a special guest, Matt Levchenko, someone I've known for about five years and a really amazing human being who is going to share with us background on his journey, his self-discovery, and how decisions, challenges, manifestations have brought him to where he is now and what that journey has taught him. So let's get started. All right. Well, good morning. I want to welcome on a very special guest of mine, um, somebody I've known for about five years now, I would say. Welcoming on to the podcast today, Matt Levchenko. Did I get it right? (laughs) You, You sounded like a relative. That was good. Oh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited to have you on today. And Matt, it's been so great reconnecting with you and staying connected off and on over the years. But we met in 2018. And then I know having stayed in touch a little bit, we've both kind of gone through these journeys over the last definitely couple years, but more so, I mean, it probably even started before that, right? What would you say has been so impactful? And actually, just introduce yourself a little bit here as we get started. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm I'm Matt with one T. Matt is short for Mateusz. If I go all the way back, you know, I was born in Poland a few years before Uh, martial law was passed. And that's when my parents uh, escaped the country. And we were political refugees and immigrants leaving Poland, escaping communism, spent several months in an immigration camp in Austria to reunite with my my dad's side of the family in New Jersey uh, in the early Mm -hmm. 80s. And so, you know, I grew up uh, in in a bilingual household speaking Polish and English. My family was, you know, hard workers. My dad was an artist. So we had entrepreneurialism and art as kind of just like the backbone of our growing up. And so that was a really interesting upbringing and difference. Uh, Like I grew up in a small coal mining community outside of Pittsburgh, about, you know, 40 minutes Southeast on the foothills of the Appalachians in a little town called Mount Pleasant. I think it's like 4,700 people there today. When I was there, it was like maybe like 10 more. You know, through a lot of different journeys, uh, found my way into Kansas City uh, and eventually working in a background in the arts. I've got my master's of fine arts in acting and directing uh, theater. Oh, wow. And performance. And I didn't get into real estate until 2010. That journey was uh, sparked by someone in 2007 that gave me some audio cassettes around real estate investing and everyone was doing really cool stuff with investing. And the moment I became interested in investing, the market completely collapsed. So we put the brakes on that. And then I figured, well, might as well, like, let me get my license and maybe help some people on the side and figure that out. And then some investor friends knew I had a license. So they helped me out. With, like we exchanged uh, services and Got full-time into real estate in about 2011, and I didn't know anybody in the area, so I I had to like just like hit it hard, lead generate, and create systems. And um, I just – what I did is I just found people that were super successful, and I'd ask to shadow, and I would just model uh, their systems and their processes. And mm-hmm. I didn't know any better. I just figured, you know – like, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Well, find the, find the people that are killing it, do what they're doing. And then that, and so that really took off for me and I got a lot of attention and I started getting asked, you know, how are you doing what you're doing? 
And I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm just doing these things. And, and they're like, well, would you like to, to share with others uh, uh, how you're doing what you're doing? And so when I was doing my MFA, I was also teaching as an adjunct professor. And I really have a love for teaching and coaching. And mm. that's, so I was in the classroom. I was, so I was teaching theater for non-majors for like pharmacy students. And so I would have these students that are like coming from like A&P and biology, et cetera, rolling around the ground, breathing purple, right? Like, <laughs> like, that, like that was the environment that I was creating. And that was, I was able to connect with the analytical and the creative and kind of bridge that gap because it's a, that's the household I grew up in, right? Hard yeah. Hardworking hard creatives. And I guess that's, that's always been one of my kind of superpowers is being able to bridge the gap between the logic and the emotion. Uh, side mm-hmm. of the brain in this industry. And so when I started growing my business, people were asking, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, who wants to learn from me? I, like, again, the beginning of that imposter syndrome that we spoke about briefly in another conversation, we could probably get into yes. that. Yes, um, absolutely. And they said, well, no, 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 you're actually doing quite well. And I'm like, well, and and so my wife, my wife and I, we just became pregnant. Uh, and uh, with our second child, we had a baby already okay. was working still full time. And we were, she was, it was basically like she was working to take care of daycare so she can go to work. Like it was that stupid struggle. Uh, yeah, and there. So I just threw it out. I was like, well, if it pays this, I'll do it. And the, the, the gentleman was like, yeah, I think we can do that. And I was like, shoot, that was too low then. That was too quick. <laughs> <laughs> so so what I what I what I was able to do, I was able to jump into a role where I was beginning to kind of develop uh, new agent productivity coaching and training, and then also started learning how to uh, uh, help agents get into the business and get licensed, and that became pretty successful. And I got some attention for doing that, and so I was getting asked to step up leadership and run offices, and so I had the privilege of running several large offices. Now during that same time, I took Bold, which is where mm-hmm. we. Which is right. that, which is uh, a seven week at that time it was eight step uh, program where, which is all like so I was always really really big into like the secret and energy and mindset and and Jack Canfield and uh, uh, Joe uh, uh, Doctor Joe and and all those like I love that stuff and then I sit in this class and we spend like more than half of the class talking about mindset, mindset. And energy and I'm like this is it. I love mm-hmm. this. So I took the class as an agent. I remember sitting in step two and like having a background in teaching, having a background in performance. I'm looking up at the presenter and I, re- I really remember this clearly. I could tell you exactly where I was sitting in the room. I just, I just spoke it out loud. I didn't even consciously think to say it. I'm like, well, I can, I can do that. Oh, I isn't that amazing? I want to <laughs> do that. What do you got? And I said, what do you got to do to be that guy? Mm-hmm. And then the guy next to me was our operating principal. And he's like, what's your name? And I'm like, Matt with one T. <laughs> 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 and so that was, so that was the beginning. That was in 2011 where I took my first bold. And then uh, five years later qualified to become uh, a bold coach and, and got into the bold program and started. And I was, I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. it so much. It was exactly everything that I wanted uh, uh, in, in a career and in an opportunity, you know, to dive into that kind of content. And that's where we met in 2018 yeah. in uh, your class over in Hoboken. And, in Hoboken, yep. yep. In Hoboken. And so 
so that's 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 kind of I, I guess that's kind of the the run up to where we met. Yeah, and that's kind of like I mean the background and the short version, right? Of like I I love how you went into what an interesting upbringing. Of course, growing up in such a small town, and then of course immigrating yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so much that um, that would be even interesting to hear about of how that molded and shaped you because it gave you, you were saying with your father being more in the arts and then there's also this entrepreneurial sense, like not many people grow up that way of like experiencing both of those things and learning how to put them together, which has obviously made such an impact on you as a person and also of like what you were finding your way through of what you enjoyed with that teaching aspect. Like, did you enjoy teaching as a kid already? Like, did you try and teach kids stuff when you were younger? (laughs) I'm just curious. No, no, I I was, my mom would probably tell you that I was always a performer, right? Mm. Like I was, I was always, so when we were in, so she would tell this story. I don't really remember this, but we were in Austria uh, at this immigration camp. And on the weekends, they would bring this van up to like, we were in the, we were in the woods in like almost like a motel. I, I remember this. I was two and a half years old, three years old at this time. I remember wow. the, the building. I remember there was like maybe eight apartments. The one, they were like hotel rooms, bathroom, mm-hmm. bedroom, small kitchenette. And this van would come up and bring everyone down into I forget the name of the, the 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 area of Austria that we were in, but there was a beer garden that we would go to, and it was all just long tables. And my mm-hmm. mom said that I would just jump up onto the table and I would just sing all the nursery rhymes that I knew in Polish oh and, and then in German. My mom said that you learned that I learned German. I don't remember any German, but she said, yeah. <laughs> said you just jump up, and if anyone would listen, you would just like start doing the thing. I was like, well, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> however the funny thing is is that like i never did theater or anything in high school i did a lot of sports i did show Mm -hmm. choir i i sang i was always really musical so i played instruments um uh was musical picked up on that really well and then i took show choir because there were some really really cute girls in uh, (laughs) that's the motivation right and so one of the guys on the football team came in with this girl into one of the study halls and he's like hey who wants to do show choir and i was like Yep. I'm in. (laughs) And so, so I did show choir and had a blast with that, but I never did theater until college and I did it almost as a joke. However, what was interesting is the, the professor that I, I met with Norman, Norman Roberts, um, uh, guys probably like, you know, there's some people in your life that completely move you on a different path. Yes. Like at, at that point, I was a I was a total d bag. Like I was twenty. Like I was twenty, twenty years old at the time. I had failed out of college. Like I was. So I went to a, like a really nice Division three school for football that cost an obscene amount of money. My parents were like, "This is great. We'll figure it out." And I majored. Yeah. I majored in fraternity. I was a. Yeah. I was a. I, I just. I was a loser. I had a. I, I had a point seven cumulative GPA that first year. Which wow. you have to really work for. I had a 1.1 yeah. my first semester, and then a 0.3 my second semester with a D in racquetball. So yeah, uh, they didn't ask me back. And then I uh, I was supposed I I was I didn't know what I was supposed to do. So I enlisted in the military, 
after watching GI Jane with my family thinking, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, <laughs> I need discipline. I'm like, I'm completely fail. Like I always knew, like I needed accountability. I needed, I needed a, an environment to push, right? Like I was always gravitating towards sports and team mm-hmm. stuff. I, 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 I always worked really well with like intense mentorship, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I enlisted in the military. I scored like incredibly high on the ASVAP. So I got to pick whatever jobs and I was going to go into uh, psyops, uh, uh, psychological operations. And, and then three weeks before basic training, I was rear ended at a traffic light. And I broke my neck. Oh, and my gosh. She had relocated from the Pittsburgh area to the other side of Pennsylvania in the Lehigh Valley. And I. What I had to enroll in the junior college out there and I was the new guy in the neck brace and no one wanted to talk to the new guy in the neck brace. And as an extreme extrovert, uh, having absolutely no friends in a new area, it was, I went into like an extreme depression, right? My one, like I met this one girl in psychology class who was a really good friend. Uh, she was really sweet. And, uh, we then decided to take that theater class as a joke. It's like long story coming. I, I, I promise. Full circle. Reading. Yeah. Reading <laughs> so I still had these, like, I still had these tendencies of really just not putting in full effort. Like mm-hmm. my, my 60% was most people's a hundred percent. And so I just always got by, by giving like minimal effort until mm-hmm. I got into this class. And one of the assignments was we were supposed to go see a show as part of the requirements that one of the productions, and I just didn't want to go. It wasn't convenient. I didn't make time. I didn't go. And in the class, uh, we were going around the room and he was doing accountability. And he's like, who went to the show? It was the last show. Like it was a requirement. And I didn't raise my hand. And he's like, why not? And, and, and I'm like, I just, it did. It was, I didn't. I called you out. I yeah. didn't want, not only did he call me out, he cut right through all of it. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how PG your podcast is, or if you want to get like demonetized. Oh, whatever you want to say. But like <laughs> first time ever in public, he looks me square in the eyes and he says, you fucked up. Mm. He's like, and you are a fuck up. Wow. He says, if you spent half the energy, like actually going after something, you might do something. He's wow. like, but this isn't going to cut it and you shouldn't be here. And I was like, what? <laughs> For the first time ever, right? Because all this time, like everybody always like, they just accommodated me. Right. And he like hot. stopped it. And I hated it. Like, well, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know if I hated it, but I think internally I resented it and it never pushed me. This one class though. So what I, what I discovered in this class was so like, this guy was like from the sixties, Vietnam vet, like got into theater, like, and was, we were studying like the Russian Stanislavski technique, very method, very like intense storytelling, intense emotional training. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And when I yeah. discovered, what I, what I truly discovered was the power of storytelling in society and how, and how theater shapes the narrative that other people can't have, right? Like if you think all the way back to Shakespeare and the Greeks, like mm-hmm. they, would, they, would, they would write plays that highlighted the, the, the idiocy of the aristocracy. Like mm-hmm. 
like the plays that they were writing were about the bad decisions that people in power were doing. And they could only do that in the guise of storytelling because nobody could go to the king and say, you're being an idiot. This is stupid. Here's the folly. Right. But you could write a play about it. You could write a tragedy like Hamlet or uh, or, um, you know, all of these things that that like all of all of Shakespeare's stuff is about social commentary. And so I fell in, I absolutely fell in love with it. And I, and I went to him and I said, Hey, I want to be a theater major. He's like, Nope. (laughs) He's like, Nope, I don't want to. He's like, you're wasting my time. You're wasting everybody's time. I don't want to. And so I was like, I'm going to prove you wrong. I just, I came back next year. I went all in and I started getting cast and everything. I got on the Dean's list, transferred to temple was cast and everything graduated magna cum got a full ride to umkc uh had a 4.0 um became a professor worked professionally got my actors equity union card like all the like i i just i did it and i needed it like that was the conversation yeah. for me that was transformative right like when I we're think- talking about transformation for me it's the people in my life that have helped me the most were the ones willing to stand in the gap that no one was i love that Right. And challenge me in a way that no one was willing to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And like, it's like he gave you exactly what you needed to hear and not conforming, of course, to like what everybody else was doing, which happens so often in our lives of people are just saying stuff to be nice or because they don't want to hurt our feelings or they don't want to be honest about it or whatever. And that's, that's so powerful. That's really interesting. My husband has a story about that too, where somebody told him no, basically, and that flipped the switch. And it sounds like that's what happened for you. It flipped the switch. You got serious about it. And we're like, I can do this now because I'm in a way being challenged. I'm, it's really just you challenging yourself, but he's showing up as this guide or wisdom, (laughs) wisdom conversation piece. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was just willing to say something others, others weren't, and it was exactly what I needed. And, and, you know, and, and as a coach, I understand that not everybody responds the same way to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Behaviorally for me, the language of challenge is my currency. Mm -hmm. And so my inner voice is very similar, right? The inner voice that actually causes me to create change is very, very hard. It's very, and I don't share it a lot. It's very David Goggins. It's very Andy Frisella. Like it's, Mm. it's intense. My inner voice is intense and not a lot of people want it and can hear it. So like when I'm, when I'm working with others to help create transformation and change, I've got to be really sensitive to like, okay, what is their currency like? Like, absolutely. How does, how, like, how can I help create like really, truly just an awareness and enough of a, of a, of a, a shift in pain and pleasure. And like, how do I create discomfort in a way that isn't like traumatic? Absolutely. Cause some people won't, like you said, would not respond to that. They don't well. respond. And I get that. They don't resonate. That. Like for instance, my wife, she's, she's amazing. And she can't, she doesn't respond to that kind of coaching mm-hmm. at all. And I have to catch myself sometimes. And there'll be mm-hmm. times when, whenever we do have like an argument or a fight, she's like, I don't, I don't want this. I didn't ask for this. And please don't like, don't do this. 
And I'm like, well, you got to get mad. And she's like, no, that's not me. And I'm like, okay. I think um, you and my husband can have a whole, whole conversation on this on a separate episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he group, totally relates to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just a male-female thing. It really is like, what is the personal um, connection there of what that person needs? So that um, person at that time in your life gave you exactly what you needed. It was showing up as exactly what you needed in that message of like, well, no, you can't do it. And so then you connected with it. I think that's where too, sometimes actually I can think about, I have had people tell me, no, I can't do something. And it, it did motivate me, but not maybe quite the same way, but um, we're looking at, well, how did this happen for me rather than just taking it personally and getting upset about it or being like, they told me I can't do it. You know, if you really connect with it, you're going to see there's an underlying message there or um, guidance there. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, um, so now fast forwarding a little bit, like, okay, we met in 2018, but then it's like, you know, I've seen you go through this great transformation and, um, journey over the yeah. last few years. So what, what do you want to share around that, that you would. Gosh. So, you know, over, over the last almost three years. So it's like post COVID. So the the challenge. So what happened for for in my journey was, I'm I'm literally for the first time, in an environment, in a career, on a path that I'm just in total alignment, and I'm I'm resonating at the highest level, and I love it. And then COVID, mm-hmm. and because we are in in person, seven week all over the country on airplanes, everything stopped. It all stopped. We got pulled off the road. We're doing it online. It didn't translate for me the same way energetically and otherwise. The course started getting rewritten. It was less of for in for it was there was less soul in the course and it was more training. And and I'm like, that's fine and that's needed, but it wasn't what I fell in love with. It wasn't the part that like I really believed in. And so I had to make a decision to get back into leadership on a local level. I had a, a really great uh, individual continue to approach me and, and, and work with me on like the opportunity. And I'm like, hey, listen, I've already done that. I'm not really interested. And then we worked through it and we talked about it. And then, you know, my daughters, I remember uh, one day I was going out to visit and my daughters jumped up and they're like, what day are you coming back? Cause I was traveling mm-hmm. three or four days a week and they jumped mm-hmm. up with almost like this, like fear, anxiety, tension, like from the back of the couch, like they jumped up. They're like, what day are you coming back? Are you leaving? Like what? what? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'll, I'll be back in like a couple hours for dinner. And they go, Oh, oh okay. Like they literally like completely released. And I remember that moment really clearly. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this job. And so mm. I, st- because of that, like, I at like at that time they were um eight and eleven. And uh, I only have 10 more summers, eight more summers with both. Absolutely. I'm, I'm like, I can't, I, I'm I gotta be here. So I took the role, got into leadership, and I said, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it at the highest level, but I also need to see the next path. I need to see the next opportunity. And 
that was probably the biggest challenge. And then, so there was a lot of different changes and shifts and what was going on in the industry and COVID and the way that companies were responding, et cetera. And yet, you know, I stayed in my lane and I focused really hard and I achieved some goals and I achieved some metrics and milestones that I've always set for myself. Right. I, I received mm-hmm. my black belt. I, I received my black belt award, which was the highest award that we can get in the role that I was in. I was the number one recruiter in our five state area. I was in the top 20 out of 800 offices in the country. I had an opportunity to speak on stage nationally at our convention. You know, I'm, I'm good friends with the president of the company. Like, from outside looking in, it's like, you're killing it. And from the inside looking out, I am completely empty. Oh, uh, yeah. That's so powerful. I'm playing a role again. Like, yeah. if talk about full circle, they call the position that I'm in the role. And that's literally what I felt. I felt like a version of myself. Mm. And I can do that at a high level. But it's not fulfilling. Like I wasn't right. me. I was me, right. but I wasn't really able to be me. Yeah. Because there were some things that I wanted to post that I knew if I posted, I'd get a call. This is out of culture. This is off brand. Please take that down. You can't say that. You can't do this. And I understand that. And I was always willing to be like, I'm, I'm, here's for me. I am absolutely the best soldier you want until you don't Mm -hmm. like, I will fight for you to the death. I am loyal until I can't be right until Mm -hmm. it's just until we're no longer going in the same direction. What happened? And I was just talking about this in the meeting yesterday. When you talk, what is like, what was the moment of like realization that I was like, Oh shoot. I have to make a change is so I'm on stage 3000 people like, and like when I, when I talk about what it's like when I'm stage, I feel like a conductor, like Mm -hmm. I, I can, and the audience is the orchestra and I, I, I can take them from emotion to emotion, from laughter to introspection to like, to complete, like silence to like logic. Like it's, it's fun to just work. It's like you're in your element. Yes, absolutely. And so here I am, I've got 18 minutes and I go off stage. I take my mic off. We do a group photo with the other leaders that were on the team. We go in the green room. I grab my notebook out of the green room. And I remember very vividly, walking out of the green room and there's this hallway fluorescent lighting to the right is the stage and I can hear the next presenter talking and just in front of me is the door to the audience. And I remember the the hallway being extremely quiet and all I could hear was my footsteps just echoing. Almost like in a movie. And it played out exactly like a movie. And I just hit one of the biggest milestones and goals that I ever set for myself. I remember my first convention that I went to, I would, I would go through the ropes and I would like, I would like kind of make my way up. I was, I was in a, I was a productivity coach. Like I was new two, three years in the business. I'm in this convention with 11,000 people, the big stage. I go up to the front and I, and I, and I kind of like, act like I'm supposed to be there. And I turn around and I stand next to the stage and I look out over the audience and I'm just visualizing 
myself taking the stage, mm-hmm. but putting myself there physically. My very first game, I, this, I've always done this and it's always happened for me. And yes, so, that's amazing. Right. And so at that moment, I'm I, like the, the first time I go out there, I look, I feel that moment. I, I get really clear on what it will be like when I do. And then I do. And then what happened next was the, was the hardest part. So as I'm walking down that hallway by myself, just coming off of this, realizing that was it. Yeah. I'm You've still, arrived. I'm still by myself. I'm... Nothing's changed. Mm. I, and like my reward is I get to just do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so the way I visual, the way I try to describe it visually is like, every, we're all on this mountain, right? And the, the taller the mountain, like you've got to get through the clouds at the bottom of the mountain, you see the base of mountains. You don't, you can't always see the tops and there's a cloud layer. And like, you don't necessarily know which mountain to go on, but you trust, you trust mm-hmm. the Sherpa and people will take you so far. And then at some point you've got to go the rest of the way. And I remember breaking through the cloud layer, getting to the top of this mountain and looking around and realizing I was absolutely by myself. Mm. And once I got above this cloud layer, there's a lot of other mountains out there and they're bigger. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. And I was on the wrong mountain. And it wasn't the fault of the mountain. And it wasn't the fault of the shrub. It's where I needed to be at that time. And when I yes. got to it and I realized there's nowhere else to go for me on this mountain, I had to then sit there at the top of this thing for a second going, I just spent 12 years. This is my identity, right? Yeah. What people see me as. This is who I've This was the... It, like, am I willing to let all that go for fulfillment? Like I make a good living. I make a lot of money. Like my family is taken care of. I'm at the top of the game. There's recognition that like I go to a convention. I can't walk 50 feet without a selfie. Like everyone knows me. (laughs) So it's like you've arrived. And I'm uh... absolutely alone and dissatisfied and empty. Mm -hmm. And I remember going home and I talked to my wife and I was like, what if I told you I was considering another opportunity? And she's like, not there. And I'm like, uh uh-uh. And she's like, well, tell me why. And I would explain to her some of these other things. And she goes, then why are you still there? What are we we talking about? Mm -hmm. Well, because relationships, because loyalty, because like everyone's invested in me. Like I I don't want to. And she's like, listen, you know what your role is like. If you don't perform, you're gone. Mm -hmm. The only reason you feel bad about it is because you're winning. Right. Like, yeah. Yes. You you weren't doing well. They wouldn't even care. They would want you to go. And she's like, who are you loyal to them or me? I said, I hear you. I hear you. And you're, and yourself in there. Right. Because it's like, yeah. 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 So. And that. just to add to the the mountain part of it, it's like we can hear that saying so many times of it's the journey, not the destination, um, that is the experience of it all. And until you've actually gone through that and getting to that point, 
And um, I relate to that story all too well. That's kind of why I'm here and why I started this podcast. As you arrive at it, even though you've heard it over and over, it's the journey, not the destination. Enjoy all the moments along the way and all that stuff. And until you arrive there, you have no idea what that really means. Because it just brings in a whole nother perspective that you can never have until you've experienced that of like, wait a minute, this is not what I was intending. I hated hated people saying, like, when we were only making $60,000, $70,000 as a couple, and I remember reading all the books and everything is like, it's not about the money. And I was like, bitch, please. It's like, I could like, I would love some money first. So then, <laughs> right. And then, so then like, as our income kept growing and growing and, you know, at, at one point we're, you know, well over $300,000. And I remember very vividly going, this isn't that much different. I mean, it's nice. Right. It's nice. There's I, benefits. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm happier mm-hmm. than I was at 125 or yeah, like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, has the happiness factor changed? Yeah. I think Jim Carrey or someone had put a quote out there. Like, what's the one thing you wish people knew? Or maybe it was Joe Rogan. I don't know who said it. I, I think it's Jim Carrey. Yeah. Jim Carrey. He said, I wish people could become rich so they can see how unimportant money is to their happiness. I wish Absolutely. everybody could become rich so that at one point they realize it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. And, I love that one too. Yeah. So like when I, so to to go back to that, I, I'm sitting here at the top of the mountain going, well, the thing is, when you're on the top of the mountain, you want to get to another mountain. Where do you got to go? You got to go back down. You got to go back down into the shit. Mm-hmm. And that was the part. I was like, all right, am I ready to go back down? Am I ready to go backwards or sideways or whatever in order to do it? Like, and do I have enough energy to get up to the next mountain? And I realized I don't need the same amount of energy because I've already got up this one. I'm, I'm conditioned. I can do it faster. Exactly. That's such a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. And it's like you're building out the foundation even more by going back down the mountain, spending some time in that valley at the lower part of the mountain base. Like it can be easier to go up the second time, but you've got to build out the foundation, like even more so than it was, especially if it's a bigger mountain. You're going to go up this time, right? Oh, yeah. With a lot of different like traps and pitfalls. And then there's like (laughs) snakes and then there's. (laughs) Then there's mountain goats that like want to knock you off. And and then there's, and here's the thing. And then there's the people from the other mountain that are trying to pull you down. Mm. And you have to just keep going. And there's people throwing think- rocks because they're, they're sad and they're mad that you're not on their mountain anymore. And it's, and it hurts and it's, and it, it, it was probably the hardest, hardest thing because I had some incredible relationships and friendships there. And there was no, there's no easy way to make a transition like that without there being a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And I don't wish it on anybody. And I wish there was an, a better way or I wish there was a playbook for it. And there isn't. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. hard. That's hard. And the other hard part was the people that you thought would reach out to you or connect with you. Cause, cause I wasn't able to talk to anybody. I was not allowed to actually talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. 
There was people I hoped would reach out that they didn't. But then on the flip side, there were people that reached out that I didn't expect. Hmm. And it just made it really clear that not everybody in your circle is in your corner. And that's okay. And that's okay. And oftentimes too, it's like, we can't see the perspective of everybody else and what they're going through as well. Um, And who knows? And, and it's amazing the connections and um, growth in other relationships that come from change that come from transition. And I know I've seen that in my life too, in a different way, right? Like I haven't um, gone through the, the same thing, but friendships, leave and then new ones form or new relationships and business form. And um, you just don't know where that was going to take you. And I think just to add to that with, for the listener of when you're talking about going up this mountain again, Mm -hmm. and it's like, whether it's other people throwing rocks at you and making it hard or these mountain goats, (laughs) the analogy of the mountain goats, or maybe it's mother nature getting in the way or an avalanche or whatever it is. It's like, this is part of the journey. Like you, you know, going into it, there's going to be challenges along the way of any journey, whether it's a new business venture, a new relationship, a new, um, uh, I don't know, a new venture in life overall. It's like, we don't have this playbook, like you were saying to life, to relationships, to our experiences. And that's where it's like, if you're looking at all these things, like it's the, the classic line of everything's happened for you and you're getting all these lessons and wisdom from them. It's like, you can see of like, well, how much even from childhood and going through these unique experiences to get where you're at. And then this artistic background with, um, really turning into, you were even saying the role, you know, the role you were playing was called the role. And so it's like, there's just no coincidence in there, right? It's all these amazing synchronicities of we are getting exactly what we want. That doesn't mean it's sunshine and rainbows. It is painful. Sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it is challenging. And that is this beautiful experience of life. We just sometimes of course in the mud of it, like, I think that was the word you said, it's like, we do lose sight of that. And it, and it, it's an opportunity for this awakening of like, well, what is it that I really want in life? It's kids, the kids, you know, uh, your daughters, you were mentioning jumping up on the couch and being like, when are you coming back? It's those moments of like, what am I really wanting to experience in my life? And what is it that is most important to me? Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent, you know, and to speak to the challenges of the mountain, I've gotten to the place now, like through things like 75 hard, we we chatted briefly about that, that like, if it's hard, I get excited. I celebrate. Mm. Yeah. And I think most people know what that is, but that's like 75 days of, um, it's not drinking. You're, you're exercising twice a day. Um, I don't know everything about it. So 45 minute exercises. One of them has to be outside twice a day. Uh, a gallon of water a day, read 10 mm-hmm. pages a day, uh, take a progress pick every day and follow a meal plan and no cheat meals. So no alcohol, meal plan, no cheat meals, uh, 75 days in a row. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so I did that a year ago last March. And, um, and one of the, th- the very first day that I decided to do it, I didn't look at the forecast. And it was March 6th in Kansas City. 
And I did my first workout of the day, like inside, I was on the treadmill, did some kettlebells. And then I was like, had to do the exercise in the evening. And I didn't look at the forecast. I get my stuff on, I get outside and it's an ice storm. It's sleeting. (laughs) No way. This is like, are you really going to do this, Matt? (laughs) Well, so my wife and kids are like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I got to go out. They're like, it's sleeting out. And I'm like, I don't know, but I still got to go out. It's 45 minutes. And they're like, well, can't you just say you did? And I'm like, this is exactly why I have to. And they're like, well, who did you make this agreement with? And I said, myself. That's amazing. And I said, so if I don't do it, like, if I don't do it and say I did, I'm not convincing anybody else. This is, this agreement is with me, right? This is mm-hmm. my agreement. And so I remember going outside and it sucked. And <laughs> I, I remember doing this little video going, all right, 75 hour day one, make sure you watch your weather. Cause you know, this, and I remember at the end of it going, I'm actually really grateful that the first day was like this because every other day there will be no excuses. It can't really get worse than this. Absolutely. What a great way to look at it. It would only get easier. And and everybody (laughs) else was like, Oh my gosh, poor you. That sucks. I was like, that doesn't suck. How lucky am I that my workout was just stupid. It was 20 (laughs) degrees, ice pelting off my face. It hurt. Like I was wet and hurt. (laughs) And then also there was nobody else walking around. There was no other footsteps on the sidewalk and I was there. And what I realized is like, as you're looking at the next mountain, the harder it is, the more excited I get because there's less competition. Nobody else is willing to, and I will, I'll, I'll do it. Right. Yeah. I think that's a pattern showing up over and over again, that it's like, if you, if you're getting excited about something and you're wanting to do something, that visualization part you mentioned in there earlier. Yeah. It's like you visualized you're going to be there and then it's just a matter of time when it's going to happen. And that, that is for those that listening, if you don't know, that is like one of the main things to manifesting and creating the life you want is being able to visualize it and connect with it in that way. So that is a, so many superpowers we're hearing about, which we can all relate into our own lives. It's like we share our stories for this connection and for this opportunity for your perspective to change and shift you, the listener. So with the 75 hard um, part of that, that's amazing. I love that story of like the ice storm. It's the worst, worst day to start this challenge, but it's, you're going to do it and all that. And then with it, with 75 hard, you're not drinking the entire 75 days, which, you know, for some people's maybe not a big deal. I think for, maybe I'm generalizing, but for a lot of people, especially in the industry um, or really intense industries in general, um, that is something that it's a social thing. It's a life thing. It's a celebrating thing. Um, And of course, my story is for myself. It became too much of something I was realizing I was going back into for coping and um, numbing So how did that translate for you of like, you decide to do this challenge, part of it's not drinking, and then what's happened from there? So I had heard about 75 hard almost 18 months earlier. 
So I've I've been a big fan of Andy Frisella, who's the fa- who's who created Seventy Five Hard, and mm-hmm. his podcast. He had like several years back. He started a podcast called the MF CEO, and yeah, mm-hmm. that, it stands for what you think it does. And then <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and he's also the founder of First Form Supplements and Supplement Superstores. And so they're a fitness company, but he's all about mindset and uh, like creating a hard mindset and conditioning ourselves to be the best version of ourselves. And so when he created 75 Hard, he named it 75 Hard because it's freaking hard. <laughs> he was telling you up front. <laughs> because here's the thing. If you miss any one of the rules, you start over. Mm-hmm. on day one, no matter how far you're in. And I had to start over on one of the days. However, I heard about this program almost two years prior. I'd seen people go through it and I'm like, man, I really need this. But it was the drinking that kept me. And I was like, I just, I don't know. I don't, I mean, there's a, my birthday's coming up in March and then my kids like, and then there's, then we got a vacation. And then by June, June, I mean, pools open and like, This is such a great point though. You're bringing up is like, I would do the same thing of like where I was scheduling my um, alcohol consumption around my life in a way. And like, we don't realize how we're going to do that of like, well, it's not a good time to start this because vacation, it's not a good time to start this. What you were going into coming up and like, yeah. 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 So I just, I had started like considering and thinking about making this transition in my life and my business back in October, November. And like, in my, like, there were so many things happening inside of me that was really chaos. And I felt so out of control. I, 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 like I was doing everything I could that I knew to like, okay, journal, think about like, but I was just, I was very in just really scattered out of, out of discipline. And the, and the alcohol was showing up at a higher level for me. And Mm -hmm. I realized it was starting to become, it wasn't, it wasn't just kind of like an inconvenience or like, it was a thing. Yeah. This is, this is getting dangerous for me. And the problem is, is that nobody, nobody noticed, but I knew, Mm -hmm. right. Nobody noticed. And like, even when I talked to my wife about it, she's like, I had no idea. And I'm like, well, that's not really your fault. I, I was really good at hiding it. Like I was very functional. Right. Yes. but it was, yes. but it was, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Right. And so I just was like, okay. And, and, and this is March and we knew that we were going to make this move in April uh, or soon. I didn't have the dates exactly in my mind, but I was like, I need to get some discipline. I need to get my mind right. I need to get a thing. I need, like, I need to remove all the things that are clouding me. And so mm-hmm. I just said, if we're going to do it, it's going to be now. So Mm -hmm. I just went after it. And I remember getting through it going, okay, I could do this. And there was, so I had accountability, I had partners helping and doing, and and then I remember it was day 73. And I remember feeling like a very, very deep sense of distress. Mm. It's like, okay, I built up all this momentum. I built up all of this like these great habits. Right. And, you know, my wife was like, all right, so 75 hard, when's your last day? Okay. We're going to celebrate. We're going to meet all of our friends at this brewery and we're going to do all this thing. And I never really shared with her. Like, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to keep, I I think I'm going to keep not drinking because I really 
need this. Like, and yeah. so I shared it with her and she was kind of like taken aback. And I was like, I, I don't want to celebrate with drinking, mm-hmm. but I'll like, we can go. I'm just not going to drink. And she's like, okay, yeah. like for good. And I was like, for now, for sure. For now, at least. And so 75 turned into 90 days, 90 days. It was like, well, I'm 90 days. Let's see if I can go six months. So I went six months and I was like, well, if I'm six months, I'm almost a year. So let's do a year. And so here I am a year and 10 days later. Um, oh, amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. And and I don't know if I'm like forever a non-drinker. I'm not yeah. sure. But right now, I don't need it. And for the longest, for the first time, honestly, in my adult life, really since like, I remember going through 75 hard and I was like more than 35 days in, I remember thinking this is the longest I haven't drank since I was like 18. Right. Yeah. We really started thinking about it. More than half of my life. I've had a drink within 35 days. Like, and Honestly, the last three years, it was every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't tell you the days where I didn't have a drink, right? It was just too easy. It was just too easy. It became habits. And it was a habit. Absolutely. It was, yeah. And it was, it was, it was really, really destructive. And um, it almost cost us everything, right? Like, it was hard. It was, it, it was, it was, it was a tough year. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, For sure. And I think what's so amazing in there is we had similar experiences where, um, you know, my, my husband is like, I didn't really know this was like affecting you for so many years. And I was like, well, I didn't really know either because I wasn't consciously aware of it. And then I became aware of it. And um, whether or not you as the listener are drinking or not, this isn't about it being good or bad. It's about a choice of a change anywhere in your life, not just around alcohol. And whether you like Matt, whether you decide to keep with it or it's a forever thing or it's not a forever thing, all that matters is that there was a change in the awareness of what was going on in your life and like how that was affecting you in other ways. And for me, I had the same conversation with my husband. He was like, is this going to be a forever thing? And I was like, at the time, I didn't know either. And then it became more and more apparent for myself that that was, I was like, I, I don't want to go back to that. And um, there's other stories I can share of why that came about another time. But um, I just love that, that it it is conversations you have to have with your significant other or yourself if you're not in a relationship of like, well, what is it that I really am after here? And at least for this time of my life, I'm choosing a different um habit or a different experience overall. That's what it is. Right. And that's not easy because it has been uh, something so socially ingrained or habitually ingrained, or it's a really in the relationship it's in friendships and it's in all these things. So um, it is interesting how those things come about. (laughs) It really, I mean, it it really is. And I, you could have never told me, two years ago or 18 months ago that I'd be a year. No drinking. Mm-hmm. I would have never believed you. There was no, I would have put everything against the opposite. Matt, there's one thing that came up 
just now in my head that I have to share with you is every bold I took, I went back and I looked at my journal and the one I took with you too, every journal I would write in there when it's like, you know, what do you want to change or what do you want to do? There was always a part of that. And every journal I would write, I want to drink less in every one. And that was really impactful for me realizing some of that is that is why I decided to let it fully go because I was like, well, it's something I wanted to do for so long and I didn't know how to, or I didn't connect with. Yeah. All those things. So I mean, just for everyone listening or watching, you were posting it early enough and your posts like caused me to also consider too. Right. I remember Mm -hmm. reaching out to you at one point and sharing like, Hey, congratulations. Like good for you they're inspiring me. So. Mm, thank you. <laughs> you inspired me, which also then I inspire you. It's like, it's all amazing. It's all for full circle when we really are more vulnerable about what we're going through and um, yeah. sharing yeah. these parts of our lives. Yeah. It's easy to look from the outside and see it's all perfect or you got the award or you're making all this money or whatever, but behind that is a lot more going on. And it can seem like um, this, like you said, going back down the mountain into the valley, but that's really so it can be regrouped and go into this new expansion of self and who like you really are, who we really are. Yeah. I think, I think it, I think it needs to be shared that at the, at the time that I was externally achieving the most, I was the most unhappy I've ever been. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that what I was doing was inauthentic and I didn't mm-hmm. truly care for the people that I was working with because I do. And I did. That doesn't change. It was after that, on my side of the equation, on my side of the table, I was empty. I, I gave everything I could over that side and I had nothing left. Like I had not, it, it was, I had nothing. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the the journey of like um, turning back within, like doing the 180 degrees, like we're fixated on everything outside and now we're going to turn it back around and look what's really going on inside. I agree. It's like the, um, it doesn't change all the amazing experiences that were had. It's just realizing that there's more going on within inside that is affecting everything that's going on outside, but, um, it can change and it just takes a matter of showing up, connecting with self, which is not easy to do. And having some of those conversations, it sounds like even with your wife, with yourself of what you really really wanted to, um, shift and change. I think there's tons more we could talk about. But maybe that'll have to be another time. <laughs> this has been so much fun. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll, just have to come back. I'll just have to come back. I think you'll have to come back. Because <laughs> I'm like, I got 10 other things on my mind that we could talk about. But that's for another time and another day. And that. it's been so amazing having you on here, Matt. I really appreciate the time and being vulnerable. Because that vulnerability, like you were just saying, like you being involved inspired me. Inspired something within inside me. That was a really special time um, yeah. in my life. And... I am so excited to see where you go with all of this and um, congratulate you on your journey. And thank you so much for your vulnerability here today. And it's just the beginning, right? Sure is. Thank you.
Well, until next time, thank you for joining us. If you would like more information about SAGE, you can visit www.livethesagelife.com for information on events, the podcast, and so much more. If you would like more information on Matt Lovchenko, please visit the notes section of this podcast for his website and all the ways to contact him on social media. Thank you for listening.